This is Abhinav Vagarwal, and welcome to the latest uh, Indic Book Club uh, Writers Open House with Otis. And uh, uh, you've all been sending pieces, and the intent is to have Otis review, provide feedback on those pieces, including, as I've said, uh, he also shares uh, good practices in writing and uh, things such as you know the point of view and uh, show not tell and uh, you know. Uh, creative and narrative arcs and uh, everything that uh, you should know and get advice on to become even better writers. Uh, one note. Uh, so actually, I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Otis, and you can tell us uh, you know, how many pieces you've got today. And therefore, over the next uh, 90 minutes or so, we can try and divide them up into how, you know, three, four, five uh, or more pieces that uh, you think we can cover. And sorry, before I do that, one last uh, note. I don't think I am going to be able to uh, share this, uh, uh, this this broadcast on Facebook because uh, I think Facebook has changed their APIs or something. So there's been an issue. I need to uh, have someone look into it. So, you know, this is going to be only on uh, Zoom for now. And obviously, in a couple of days, uh, this will also be put up on YouTube. Okay. Um, so, just sorry, I'm looking at the so one uh, Mahavi. I have uh, Mahavi. I see that you're here. I have a couple versions of your work and I, I'm not sure that I've talked about it specifically. I don't think I have yet, so, but I, I'm not gonna count them three times. So I think we'll just do your latest version. One, two. Sorry, my little notes are a little confused. Looks like we have maybe five or six, um, Abana. So, uh, you know, six may be a stretch. Let's see if we can do five in the next uh, 85, 90 minutes. Uh, so if my maths is right, we should get to about 18 to 20 minutes uh, for each. I'll try and play the role of a time. Okay. Um, so one of the, so the, when we looked at some pieces from um, the, for the anthologies, uh, we have, we have a little uh, protocol in terms um, how we file so that I have the name of the author, usually, ideally, also associated with the email address and uh, of the title of the piece. And that helps me a lot in, in the thing which is sort of logistics <laughs> as I juggle all these pieces and, and take a mark them on past out. So um, let's, uh, I'm not sure. 
and to email them back. And I hope that I did email. If you sent me something, I hope I've now emailed it back to you. So if that's not the case, please talk to me about that and me know. Um, the, the piece that I have up now is called uh, Krishna Smiled Thrice. And I'm not sure who the author doesn't front. That's me. That's me. Good evening. Oh, okay. Uh, Ranjith? Ranjith, that, yeah, right. That, Okay, thanks. Cool. Um, let me let me share my screen and go to here. Yeah, so uh, uh, uh an echo, so that might be. Oh wait, it might be me. Um, tell me a little bit about this piece. Okay, uh, um, it's about a character called uh, Yuyutsu, and he's the only guy that switched armies uh, during this entire war episode. And uh, I'm trying to uh, write about why he did so, and why did he pick that particular moment to do this. War preparations were happening. He could have done this any time. So what was the inciting incident that made him change his mind at the last minute? Okay. I, um, okay. I, I like that you use this term inciting incident. Uh, coincidentally, it is kind of the subject. I think that's going to be the overall uh, subject of today's discussions is basically the inciting incident um then you know fair we exciting incident whatever happens to the character and then the character goes on course basically to act and yeah. <clears throat> the issue of the story is them trying something that action and basically being trying to do it again until they're driven into <clears throat> sorry excuse my voice um driven to a crisis in which they have to make some decision. So um, maybe you could you could tell us a little bit what what is the inciting incident? For, um, uh, the the, the title character. is a little bit of a clue to that. Um, that's why I said Krishna smiled thrice. There are three stages of uh, realization that the character goes through, and each of it is linked with a particular action of uh, Krishna on the battlefield that comes later in the story that's much past the 800 words that I've sent you. Uh, the, inc uh, the inciting incident, the first one is when uh, Yudhishthira lays down his weapons and you know, pays his respects to the elders in the opposite uh, army. And the announcement comes in, you know, pro the proclamation comes in saying that if you want to switch sides, this is the moment, do it now. Okay. So, so I start my okay. story from there. Okay. Um, so, um, so the way we kind of uh, story. So the one thing that I noticed here is that we at the beginning. Can you see this document here? The two yep. armies waited at the brink, right? The greatest battle. So this seems to me to be maybe context for what's going to happen 
Yes. It's, what I think it's kind of best for us to do with a modern story now is to really involve ourselves with the point of view character right away. We want okay. to try and get in the point of view character and see them within the context. <clears throat> so the way, the way I put that um, often is to establish setting within the point of view. Okay. Basically what this does brings the reader into the, themselves as kind of an avatar for the reader's experience. That's really what we're writing about. Well, what we're doing, trying to create an experience for the reader. So sometimes, I, and I've said in uh, fiction, the reader is not to read about an experience. The reader is reading to have an experience, right? So you want the reader to have the experience of your care. And the way we begin that is really by, so at, when the verse starts, they have the willing suspension of disbelief, right? Yeah. You know that, that they're basically open to doing whatever it is that we decide to do. Yeah. So that's a really crucial time to capture our reader into the character's point of view. Just right from the get-go, be within your character, within this environment. Reader then immediately sort of possesses that character. So I would suggest doing something like that early on. Um, uh, then let me one question. Right. Yeah. Uh, the uh, second and third paragraphs came in with my rewrite. So I don't know whether my rewrite has oh. taken it a couple of steps back. Um, I'm not sure that I'm following. I mean, you revised it. Is this the revised version? Yeah, this is the revised version I've sent you. In my uh, original draft, I didn't have paragraphs two and three. Mm -hmm. So I just have the proclamation right. and I have... And I have the heralds relaying it across the length and breadth of it. Right. I will. I will call. Uh, I, I'm. I'm trying. I'm trying to work out the pronunciation. I really should practice these things ahead of time. But you're a protagonist anyway. So. Okay. Uh, well. Well, I, I. You know, I don't. I don't know about that. I wouldn't worry about that right now. We just use. We use the uh, the things that we write as sort of like examples, and then once we have the words on the page, then we can. Sing our so I wouldn't worry about either going forwards. Uh, my experience with writing stories is that I write something that has some energy and excitement in the beginning, and then I start revising it and killing it along the way. Yes. And once it's completely dead, then I sort of, um, like some kind of Frank, and I reanimate it. So it's, <laughs> the writing a story is not, is not a simple uh, trajectory from here to here. Um, but we'll notice, look at these paragraphs. So the first the, the subject is two armies, then you have your protagonist, then the five brothers, then we have heralds. Um, uh, my my we, protagonist comes in at the last paragraph. This is not your protagonist? No, that is not my protagonist. Oh, but you want to lay down, right?
factor. Is that not? It comes in from the, from the uh, fourth paragraph. The, the heralds relayed Yudhishthira's proclamation across the length and breadth of the two armies. That's the fourth paragraph. This one was relayed Yudhishthira's proclamation. So who who is it that lays who, who is it that decides? I'm sorry. Who who switches sides? My protagonist switches sides. Who is the subject? Yeah, and what's the name of your person? Yuyutsu. Okay. Okay. So I confused. So um, here, yeah, this is your protagonist. Yeah. Ah, is this character the protagonist? Ah, ha, 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 ha. yeah. So all right. So it was a little while ago that I read this. So, okay. right. So if, if this is your protagonist, I would start with him. And what we kind of want to do, it's hard to say what's going to happen in the city. So what I, what I feel we're doing is we're actually creating a catalyst. And ideally, we're creating a catalyst that we don't really know where we're going. We're just trying to gather things together. We're trying to gather the forces that are, you know, sort of bashing against each other, that are going to arrive at an outcome, but we may not know what the outcome is. Mm. In this way, we sort of have this mechanism, or as we sometimes say, we writers, we say free, because when we gather these forces together and we see what's going to happen, basically, and we come up with a discovery, then the reader gets to undergo that process also. If yeah. the ending is a foregone conclusion, then from my point of view, we're not really telling a story because it doesn't really have energy. We know at the beginning exactly how it's going to end. So we want to try and discover something new. Ezra Pound said about poetry, make it new. So he's not, we're not reinventing the wheel in a story that story a new story a new experience of discovery each time to do that or at least to have a good start on it i think is to understand this as a catalyst hmm. so it's a catalyst created by two opposing forces the protagonist force and the antagonistic force right. um so for me i mean no where a story is going to go, I want to establish those forces. Um, Yuyutsu? Yuyutsu? Okay, so I would definitely get Yuyutsu right up, right at the front. Like, where is he? What's around? What is he experiencing? Let the reader be part of his experience. But also, because we're dealing in short work, I would put the force of antagonism very close to him so that we understand the conflict. Right. right. The, the reason we established a protagonist and antagonistic force in conflict is so that we inspire this very important field reader. It's the essential thing. What is going to happen? This is like, I, as simple as that is, that's essentially the driving force of a story. 
the reader reads to perceive that there is a problem and to wonder what is going to happen. That's why they read the next word, the next word, and the next word. Yeah. So in order to produce that, we have to basically establish the problem, the conflict, this and this. And it seems to me, and you can tell me if I'm off, but Yuyutsu, his conflict is his heart, right? His conscience, his um, something of you know something within himself. Basically, her side, his he may have come up through the culture, community, his city, all of these things. He's basically in conflict with that. Yeah. Right. So it's having some kind of feeling about wanting to be on the side because he feels the other side is. But the conflict is the side that he's on. Let me. So so because of that, I would try and get some sense. I would try to dramatize. OK, so that's the other thing that we're doing. We don't want to tell what's going on. We don't want to just say this is what's happening and we want to dramatize it because story writers are actually fully dramatists where we work with characters to show right. dramatic events, show one dramatic event, which is the inciting incident, as you say. Um, in stories, they can kind of be up and th this was the subject of my talk today too. We have the inciting incident. So like what happens that begins the kind of cascade of events and that's this proclamation. So uh, you, uh, you, you arrives in here, he comes into the story, basically, you know, maybe we would say with some kind of neutrality, right? He's accepted what he's been doing He's been doing it obviously all along. I'm gonna I'm gonna treat off the off the page here as a story. Okay, so before you know this this that we're looking at, and it's actually not, not. Do you see the brick wall next? I'm not sure if it's all the same, but it's it's the same. That's the backstory. That's him. He's just living his life. He's doing his thing. He's being dutiful. He's in the army, you know, sharp weapons. He's doing what he's told, but he has some kind of character that's a little bit neutral in what he's doing then he hears the proclamation and that sets things wobbling for him does that make sense that's why yeah. it's an inciting incident what's happened yeah. before doesn't matter he's he is who he is and in the scene a kind of neutral character and this proclamation affects him and makes him wobble and makes him think about giving up everything that he's known ever known, it's no small thing, right? Yeah. Um, for good and joining the other side. And we know that it's an incredible feat because how big is, our, I mean, 100,000 people? 100,000 people, none of them made this choice mm. and he did. So we know that it's an incredible feat. So I think it's a great story to concentrate on. So if we, <clears throat> If we look at the shape of the story, then we begin, as you say, with the inciting incident. Then what we have is basically we, we divide up our story into the beginning, middle, and the end. And I'll, yeah. the beginning does what the beginning needs to do. It basically grabs the reader and brings them along for the ride. 
And in that, we established a conflict, protagonist and antagonist. We want that on the page. And we want the protagonist to commit to a course of action. This, what I'm saying to you right now is going to be very for everyone's story that I'm going to talk about from this point onward. Um, the, a story, this is for everyone again, I repeat, the story is driven by the protagonist's actions. And well, I'm, as I'm going to talk about it more with other stories, I, I'll, I'll leave it to that. But anyway, so the inciting incident, the forces of protagonism and antagonism, and the commitment to action happens in the beginning. Then the middle is the gen of struggle. So that means that they have to be acting to get what they want, right? And yeah. somehow um, failing to get it or being put off getting it so that they have to do something else. So the when we look at the I sometimes say this to my daughters, which they of course find annoying. I was like, they say, I want a donut. And I will say, well, it's not exactly about, it's about what you're willing to do to get it. That's what a story is. And so they're like, uh, I just want a donut, get it for me. I'm like, well, you know, are you willing to wash our car in order to get a donut? Because if you're not willing to wash our car to get a donut, then you want it very much. So basically in the middle, we see how much the character wants something by them trying to get it, failing to get it. At first, my daughter asked for a donut and she fails. Then she says, I'll wash your car for a donut. I say, fine, but then she washes the car. And I was like, well, I think you also have to clean the gutters. Well, she, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So this is the middle of that try and fail period that dramatizes how much they want it. During that period, they're also basically failing and doing more and more to try and get it all along. And so they're being driven down until they have to make that, until the climactic moment when they basically have to change something that's, they have to change their character. They have to change their tack, basically. Mm. So I, I had this idea this morning as I was about all these pieces. The, I was thinking about them as sort of a combination lock, right? What we have is we have the first number, you know, it's of four numbers. And, and it really is divided like this. We have meaning middle, which is actually two and three, and then we have fourth column. And it can seem as if every story is unique. It is in a sense in that there's different numbers in all of them. We can't yeah. open it easily. But they are all essentially a combination lock of these four dramatic circumstances. The beginning, establishing the point, a point of the protagonist and the antagonistic force, making the reader wonder what's going to happen, and then committing to the struggle of trying to get what you want, the, the protagonist's actions. We go into the first part the middle, right? Mm -hmm. Where in, in Hollywood, they sometimes call it section they call it fun and games. It's just, they're trying. They're, it's basically easy, right? They're, my daughter asks for the, I say no. She washes the car, I say no. She cleans the roof, I say no. Yes, the work is hard. It's not really 
not really difficult. Mm. The middle, it turns mm. and it becomes much more difficult. It becomes spiritually difficult. It becomes crucial. And this is, as we're continuing, we do superficial stuff at first, but then we start to get to real issues, always escalating along the way. Mm. Then we get to that third part, you know, what is that going to be? Those really difficult choices that the protagonist is making. And then we get to the ending, which resolves, it resolves mm. the issue of the beginning. Right. So whatever problem was it was introduced in the beginning, it basically resolves it. It doesn't. I think I last week it doesn't make it doesn't the protagonist doesn't win. They don't win or the antagonist doesn't win. It's not about winning and losing. If it were winning or losing, it would be on conclusion. It would not be an equal struggle between the two forces in order for the two forces. In order to wonder what's going to happen, these two forces have to be equal. And then we resolve the we resolve the story with something that is generally more complex. It's more complex than winning or losing. It's really evolving in a sense. It's changing. It's reaching a stage of enlightenment. But enlightenment doesn't mean that it's good or bad. Enlightenment is neither bad. Enlightenment is just complex. True. And, and I think that, I mean, you have a great character here, but the way, the way I tend to, so a story, the combination lock, I don't know what the numbers are going to be. I don't know what's going to up lock, but I start to create the mechanism and get them to start to clash. The forces of protagonism and antagonism, I get them to clash in the beginning, and then I figure out what is the character's action in regard to what are they going to, what are they going to do? What are they willing to do to get what they want? And now I go through the middle. The resolution, I, I don't know what the resolution is. I don't know where the story finally goes. I don't know. I don't know that final number that unlocked the combination, but I'm trying to get there. I don't know. That, I don't know if that makes sense a little bit. But my my uh, simple advice. Is, so that's all complicated. I understand. But my simple advice is to get your character here, uh, Yuyutsu, up front. Yuyutsu okay. looked at his at his best friend. I mean, maybe actually an incident can sometimes happen before the beginning of the action. Okay. You know, Yuyutsu looks at his best friend, a warrior, childhood friend. They were at school together. They just said, we can switch sides. What are you going to do? What do you mean, what am I going to do? I'm never going to switch sides. Switching sides is worse than death. I'd rather die than switch sides. Mm. Yuyutsu looked at his friend and said, yes. I agree. <laughs> you know, like so. That's a. Did, did that make sense? He said. I mean, yeah. we. He says yes. I agree. The first thing to explore this issue was talk to his friend. His friend said he'd rather die than switch. And Yuyutsu said agree. Right. So he doesn't want to show his hand just yet. 
then where it goes from there. It's an example, but but to create that conflict. Yeah. I have a dialogue sequence on the exact issue that comes later with his uh, stepbrother. Uh, my, my issue with this character here is that he doesn't start neutrally. He knows what is right. He knows he's on the wrong side, but he doesn't know why he's wrong. Uh, he knows he's on the wrong side. Yeah, he knows he he's on the wrong side. Why. Yeah, he knows he has to be on the other side, but he can't find a reason for his conscience to do so. So uh, he's gone through this conversation with his stepbrother on what is right and what is wrong. And he sort of mm -hmm. agrees with the stepbrother that he has to fight on this uh, in this army. So it's when uh, he sees Yuyutsu, my protagonist, has a conversation with his uh, stepbrother and he half-mindedly agrees that, you know, he has to fight on this army, though his heart tells him, no, this is wrong. My challenge with the character is uh, um, everyone who's read the Mahabharat knows what the conclusion is. It's uh, maybe two or three line uh, description that's given just before the war starts that this guy did actually cross over. For people who have not read the Mahabharata, or the story is new to them, I uh, try to create a little bit of suspense by pausing him right at the middle of the two armies, not giving them the conclusion right ahead. And then I take his entire life as a sort of flashback because no motivation or no internal thinking of this man has been given in the book at all. He is a very minor character in the book. His one uh, standout moment is the crossing that happens. We don't know anything about this person other than that. Right. So, so you have to you have a comment of about this character. So, I think it would be great to and put them up front. Yeah. I, I mean, even if you don't end up using them when you when you write the story, everyone knows them. Or if, in the case of me, if I don't. I at yeah. least know where it's, I think that that's interesting. Then you're going to be exploring that character. Yeah. I, I just, I'm trying to figure out a little bit like, it's like there's a line that says that he switched sides, but it sounds like since you feel that everyone knows why he switched sides and that the reason he switched sides was because one side was right and one side was wrong. Like that's, is, is, that, is that correct? Uh, uh, we are told that he switched sides, but what was the motivation inside him to do so? It just can't be right and wrong. There has to be more than that. That is the idea with which I approached the story. Right. It can't be just plain good yeah. and evil. Yeah. Because the epic is not... So, so, so that, yeah, so that is, that is what you're going to be exploring. So that is the discovery. That he switches sides is not... I... I in fact, you're, you know, if you put those lines even up at the top, then we're going to understand we're actually going to know the outcome that he switches sides. So it's not a question of whether he switches sides or not. Yeah. It's a question of why he switches why? sides. Yeah. And it's a question of really what happens on this way to making that decision 
this trajectory that occurs and then from that he switches sides yeah. so it i would probably start with that conversation that you say he has with his brother-in-law i forget step what brother. you said you who right step brother yeah. so i might be that but i would really try to figure out what are the forces of antagonism right what is so he's come into this character already which sides but he the the antagonistic force it sounds like essentially convinces him that it's it's proper for him to he's on is that correct 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 so it's a it is a battle as i suggested already between the nose and feels within his heart mm -hmm. and what he's basically being told by the culture around him yeah does that sound right correct so in a, in a sense it's a very it's a very classic story this is this is almost always the protagonist trying to reconcile themselves with the world around them to you know that, that seem different i you know i have these this is me but the world is telling me to be like this and this is the conflict so i would i would think that you would just develop that hmm. i would not what we have to do is we actually from incident we really have to go forward now you might be going into it might be sort of a micro examination of this decision process but i would try dramatize them okay the back story remember going back to the bricks here story is essentially from my point of view insignificant that is not ever of the story the driver of the story is character action the driver of the story is citing and and what's going to happen what's going to happen is never back bricks mm. it's always word so I have to i i very strongly suggest that forward okay 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 and 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 they are struggle to figure out how to do your it sounds like you're going to have to invent circumstances in order to dramatize yeah this sort of moment in which he actually decides to walk over to the other side mm -hmm. so what we're going to come to is not that he walks over to the other side and in fact this is something we can kind of take away for ourselves when we're our endings uh, a writer named bob chakochis said this and i always remember he said that uh the ending comes when everything else is inevitable right okay is that so when everything else is inevitable then you can stop and you have a great opportunity to do that with this story everyone knows what happens right and everyone knows the moment all you have to do is bring us to the ending which is that moment where the balance has been tipped that's it you right. know that's right that would be really a remarkable ending you don't even have him go to the other side because mm -hmm. that's not really your subject your subject isn't him going to the other side your subject is when and what does he do that allows him to make that switch um, great when i okay. see now uh, i think that yeah playing the party pooper but
Yeah, yeah, no, no, no problem. But um, uh, Ranjith, uh, this is, I, I love characters like this. So when we as writers, we want to have characters that it is difficult for us to fix out this we want, not these kinds of problems. You know, mm -hmm. how can we bring this character who basically has subjected himself to this culture, how can we bring him to the point where he's able to release himself from that and go to side? So, uh, Ram, you have Great, raised you? your hand. You can unmute yeah. and ask uh, you know, a question at uh, yeah. any point. What is, I have a very quick question. So, you spoke about the inciting incident. So, can we have a more than one inciting incident where in the beginning there is an inciting incident that leads to some action which leads to another inciting incident which elevates the action and so on uh i would say no okay. <laughs> because it's too so we're dealing with dealing with a short story okay but even if it's a longer story we to have one inciting incident because what we're trying to do is we're trying to motivate the character to action that is our point and since the story is all about character action or protagonist action, we want it really simple and focused. We do not want to confuse the reader with okay. too many motivations. We don't really, in terms of the motivation of character, we don't really talk about it explicitly, dramatize it. So for that reason, simple is better for us. As they say, like fewer moving parts. Right. We want to have that focus. We want to have a focus because the reader take that all the way and they should. And in fact, that focus on, on character action is the story. And so this is another place where we actually go wrong stories is that we bring in other things that are not about the character action, the character trying to get what they want. That is the story. Right character trying to get what they want is an action that they engage in and then there's a reaction that's pretty much the only thing we want to get age and then we also want to have those details of scene and cares that allow the reader to actually fully imagine the experience but otherwise we really want to take the reader on that journey and it is a journey of and and difficulty, action and difficulty, action, difficulty, action, difficulty, until the climactic moment of the story. Right. Okay. And, and is it necessary that and, the inciting incident be front-loaded? I mean, can there be a build-up to the inciting incident, which comes maybe a third of the way down or maybe half the story down? No. I think I know the answer already. <laughs> yeah. Right. But... But your, your question is a good one, because I think it brings up something that we have, you know, for us as writers to grapple with, we want to do a lot. Yeah. We don't get to do, we as writers, you know, we, we're like, I'm writing, shouldn't I be able to do, we're just like characters. We're also limited. You know, we are limited by the antagonists and the antagonistic force is our entire audience. Or potential audience. Okay. We, when we decide to write a story, we need to focus on that story. We do not tell every story. Mm. This time, we prioritize. I'm going to write um, a Yuyutsu story this time, 
And next time I'm going to write someone else's story. We can write an infinite number of stories once we figure out how to do it, but we are obliged to focus on one story. And one story is essentially simple. There's an inciting incident that happens to character. They then decide on an action. Mm. Like uh, this, this <laughs> uh, uh, Abhinav is going to scold me in a second, but this I was thinking about as I was reading these stories and thinking about inciting incidences, it's like I was walking down the street one day and uh, a beautiful with diamond earrings and a pearl necklace uh, walked up to me and slapped me in the face and said, you cad, and ran away, okay? So, uh, you know, oh, never seen before, slapped me in the face and said, you cad, and runs away. My choice now is either to follow her or to flee, mm. right? But in either case, the story is gonna take place. Right? So if I follow her, then I follow into her store and some guy grabs me and he's like, why are you chasing her? What do you want from her? Right. So the story is progressing based on my action to, to chase. Or I flee and I go, I'm like, oh my goodness, this woman slapped me in the face. I opened up the door and then there's the guy instead. Hey, you are da 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 da. Right. So what I do, this continues, but the inciting incident it incites the protagonist's action. That's what it incites, right. and is the story. Thank you. I, I hope that was a little clear. Okay, let's... Um, who... Um, who wrote the... the who wrote uh, a broken sphere? Yeah, I can see that. Are we audible? Uh, Karan? Uh, are we audible? Yeah, thank you. I can hear you. Yeah, tell us a little bit about this piece. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, this is uh, a story about a character called Shalya. He was actually forced to fight on the enemy side instead of the side whom he considers his allies. So he is in something like a very unique position. Uh, I think uh, most of his skills are somewhat overshadowed by some specific events like this, like he fighting for enemy side like that. So I want to flesh out those skills later. This is the point of the story. And also he, de he deals with the guilt of killing the entire soldiers like that. He's probably the first person to feel this guilt on the first day itself. So I think he, he has this complex nature of uh, guilt like this. Um, okay, so so with this piece, so like I said, I thought I, I, I did feel that uh, our discussion um, today was a little bit thematic having to do with the inciting incident. Uh, Ranjeth's story was a good example, I think, to basically bring the inciting incident up front and have what continues in terms of the story to be driven by the protagonists. So <clears throat> in, in this, I, I don't... I, I don't know what the inciting incident is. 
And I also don't know what the character's commitment will be, but, but I do suggest that this is fundamentally the story. This is the, um, we don't, we don't want to, so when, when we're dealing with some ancient texts and I, I'm familiar with things like the Odyssey or Gilgamesh, something like that, <clears throat> they're telling a story in a way, but they're also chronicling a lot of events. And we don't want to simply re-chronicle events that have been chronicled in a sense. We want to take it and make it a dramatic circumstance. We want to create this story. So one, one thing I notice piece is even if we look at this first, and this is, uh, I'm not going to let uh, Ranjeth off the hook either. You know, he was talking about bringing in backstory, but I'm going to suggest I'm going to get the combination lock, okay? The first number, the second number, the third, and the fourth, okay? Corresponding to the beginning, first part of the middle, second part of the middle, where we deepen the struggle, and then the resolution. When we're bringing a backstory, it's as if we're starting with number two, and then we're somehow going to one, right? We're going backwards. In this first paragraph, also moving sort of chronologically, we're going from, in this single paragraph, we're going back from, and we're going from the stones to the um, of the camps to being shaken. We're going backwards. And my very suggestions, particularly if we're just, I, I was going to say, particularly if we're just starting to explore writing stories to work chronologically. But I want to add to that, that I really think it's best to work chronologically no matter what. <laughs> like I still work very much chronologically. I do not go into backstory very much. I want to drive the story with forward character action. So in the like majesty, I strongly suggest putting the point of view character, the protagonist right up front, establish the antagonistic force right up front so that we understand conflict. This is the conflict being put on the page is the inspiration in the reader's mind for what is going to happen. And we want to inspire that. Um, and we want the protest at the beginning of the ending, however long it might take, depending on the form, to commit to a course of action. Do they flee? Do they flee from trouble and therefore experience more of it? Or do they um, do they or fight the struggle? Those are basically the two choices. Are they going to fight or are they going to flee? In their case, it advances the story. Does that, does that make a little bit of sense? Yes, sir. Uh, so, one Sri on? Yes, sir. I uh, yeah, I understood that. Hello. So, one thing that, um, shall hear. Yes, teacher, your voice was a little unclear. Not very audible at the beginning, but then uh, it was loud. And... Yes, 
Sritran. Um, so this, this actually kind of goes back to Ram's um, a little bit. You know, he was asking, you know, can you have one inciting incident, another, another, and another? And now we're actually just chronicling things that are happening. We're not driving a story based on character. So one decision that I think you make here is, is this, are you, are you beginning at the beginning of the story? That's the question. Is this council, you know, when they're all sitting around and talking, is this a story? Is this what exciting incident occurs? What is the... Switcher and you're not I audible. Can't, I uh, sorry, looks like my mic is giving some trouble. Uh, sorry. You're a little um, bit better. So this is not the there is not any major incident. Like it's just the beginning of the incidents that pushes into more incidents. Like it pushes into another incident. Like uh, Ram has suggested right before. Like there are two incidents here. So in the first half there is dialogue and all that. The second half it moves into the more inciting incident where they go on some adventure. Mm -hmm. Well, I would, so I would definitely, I would just, I would, I would counsel you to commit to starting where you believe the story you want to tell this time begins and just focus on that. Is going back to Ram's question about, you know, in a sense, can we tell multiple stories? I'm not going to try and tell multiple stories. I'm going to tell one story and it's the, it's about the, um, essentially, as you say, the adventure of the protagonist, something happens, they can action into do, you know, they begin to execute those actions, whether they're fighting or whatever they're doing, they're executing those actions and they are not meeting with success. They are not meeting success, not meeting with success until it drives them to a point of a crucial choice that basically changes them forever. Uh, and that is the story. The story is the character. The story is the conflict between the protagonist and the forces of antagonism that we see over and over again until um, it, it rises majestically at the end. It's hard when you're when you're taking stories that you know, like this one, right? Um, and I think there's another story from the Mahabharata. When you're taking stories that you already know, and basically, in a sense, you're it's like music. You're transposing them into this other form, which is a story form that that dramatizes the struggle of character against mystic forces. So that can be extremely difficult. We're aided in trying to do by establishing those protagonistic and antagonistic forces beginning. And it's okay if we don't know exactly how it's going to go. We just struggle to do it. And we struggle to get something on the page that shows some kind of shape driven by the character action. Um, I think Ram's story, if you saw last week's, uh, last week's session, Rom's story is a really great example of that. So who was essentially passive in relationship to what was going on. And what I did was I transformed her passivity, what, what could be perceived as passivity, into action 
to get what she wants. That's all I did. And from that, the story and the energy of the story, the dramatic part uh, of the story rises. And so, so uh, Sri Charan, that's what I would also suggest here. Yes, yes. So you are suggesting to uh, kind of perhaps remove the entire section or like well, I'm I'm suggesting that you. Okay, so I was I was about to. I'm suggesting that you. You as the writer commit to the character whose story you're telling. They are going to be a person who has a struggle, changed by that struggle. So that's your character. Mm -hmm. You commit to that character. You put them on the page, and you identify as clearly as you can. Identify the force of antagonism that's acting against them. So mm -hmm. I was gonna I was gonna say that like I've been teaching writing for a really long time. And actually principles of protagonism and antagonism are well known and very simple. Like we we read them in comic books, right? We read Superman is you know Dr. Evil. I mean these these are very simple constructions of protagonist and antagonist. So we know them very well. I found in my years of teaching that writers are, I, I would say, hesitant to use the, the basic principle of story, which is antagonism, in order to tell their story. I'm saying that just for everyone so you know that if you feel like oh wow i i i do this or i don't even really want to do it right that this isn't this isn't uh that surprise i've seen people want to use the forces of protagonism and antagonism in their stories for really quite a long time but i guess i'm asking that you try to identify the character i as a writer i'm committing to i am telling their story and their story is based on their actions. Their actions are uh, directed against forces of antagonism, which do not want them to get what they want. And story is the struggle between these two forces. So one question I'm is like- I'm trying to say that I- Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, so- here the antagonistic force is not really physical in the form, like it's not some person, but uh, it's, it's guilt he will be dealing with throughout this entire story. Like um, it comes entirely like from say one third of the story to final parts. Uh, the main issue, I mean, the main climax I'm giving is that how he is coming out of his guilt. Right, so um, so I return to this idea, and again, I I'm any more happy about these these uh, requirements of our storytelling art than the problem with having a character who's not dealing with an antagonist that's physical is that it's very difficult for us to dramatize that. So why we have this is why we tend to personify in some ways the forces of antagonism 
I, um, I've, so I, I've done, I've done this before, um, but I'm going to be a character who's engaging in eternal struggle. Okay. You ready? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Right. So my point is nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. It's, it's an unfortunate circumstance, maybe of human beings that we, we basically learn by witnessing things. So mm -hmm. that's what we do in the story. When we dramatize, we, we allow the reader to witness differentiated characters, Superman and Dr. Evil as each other the more specific and physical it is, and even the more active it is in the case of comic books, right? Comic books are tremendously reductive. Person is good and we know who it is. And then one person is absolutely evil. They have henchmen, but really it's this person. Mm. The more we can do that, actually, the more effective our storytelling is. So, but, isn't, but as I've seen many other uh, of these sessions, the issue isn't actually finally Superman versus Dr. Evil. It's actually always a much larger, yes, and a grander story of the individual self, the protagonist, versus the force of antagonism is the entire rest of the world. And what the story is about, in a sense, is a story about the individual and the e ego merging with that outside world. Because it isn't one, it isn't the individual ego triumphing over the forces of antagonism, nor is the forces of antagonism triumphing over the individual ego. What we have struggle between the two is protagonist versus antagonist going down here to a point of merger of the two, a more complex realization of what light is and who we are within it. That's actually the movement of the story. So I understand you're saying about, about the internal and I believe that those are real, but we as scholars, what we do is we, have, we are taking the internal and we are dramatizing it. Just like any dramatist, any playwright, uh, anyone making a movie, we, we, we also, we don't tend to find movies where we have a character you know, just sitting there having an internal mm -hmm. struggle. We have characters mm -hmm. in motion. So it, it, it's difficult for us to do because I think we tend as writers, we, we like to think and we like to be um, musical, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we, we deal with the keyboard a lot and we deal with ideas a lot. But as stories, <laughs> we are dramatic, which means that we need to have physical characters on the page that do things with each other, show us the dramatic struggle that's taking place that to lead to this transformation at the end. Mm. So, and, and you can see from what I'm saying, I know <clears throat> I'm saying the same thing obviously over, but it's this focus we have this tremendous focus on that dramatic struggle and the thing that, tend, that, that ends up working in our written work.
because <clears throat> I'm, I've done more, but let me bring up, you know, because when we write a story, it's just this, right? It's just these words. So if we're not doing, I mean, they're as unexciting as they can possibly be. They have absolutely no effect. So unless I use words that represent these sort of dramatic instruments, I, I really don't have a choice. I, I really don't have a chance as a storyteller to capture my audience who can go outside and have forces of antagonism galore. So, mm. so yeah. So if, if, if you're saying, if you're saying that there's a moment a little bit later where the sort of the adventure begins, that is very classic. That is a very classic mm. thing to write about. And people have been writing, uh, people have been writing adventures for a long period of time in the, in the, uh, well, I was going to say this in the Western tradition, I was going to bring up the, the King Arthur and the Holy Grail, right? So I don't really know the story that well, but there's a mass that, you know, he's being charged by the king to find him the Holy Grail. He goes on a journey, and what does he get? There's no Holy Grail. But of course, that story actually come on Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh does exactly the same thing. He experiences a sense of, uh, he understands his own mortality, death of Enkidu, and then he goes on a journey and finds Utnapishtim and grabs the flower of eternal life, which is just like the Holy Grail. And he returns, but he lived in a lake because there is no uh, eternal life. And he okay. learns the lesson that uh, we're going to be remembered through what we build. And so he builds Uruk, right? So it's, that's a, I, I don't think we should, I don't think we should shy away from telling a story. That's the, that's the job that we signed up for. So the main reason I included that adventure part, it's, it's, not, it's not actually in Mahabharata, but um, it's that I invented uh, for this exact reason. Like uh, it's too boring to only concentrate on the internal struggle. So. Um. Yeah, well, good. So you're 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 motivated by by the right by the right thing. So um, continue, but but try focus those forces even more so. Us into yes, your yes, protagonistic sir. force. Let us let us know them. Let us know. Let the reader know very clearly that they are the vehicle for the re experience. Mm -hmm. I go back to the reader is not reading to read about an experience. They're not reading to read about anything. They're reading to have an experience. And that experience is an emotional experience that takes them up and down on what we call the emotional roller coaster ride. So they understand that they're experiencing something and brings them someplace. It takes them from A, a state of A, a problem, to B, solution. Mm -hmm. And it's you know, so. <clears throat> That's, and we really have to focus on that. I will repeat, we really have to focus on that if we want our stories to be successful and read by people, which is, I think, what our objective is. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Sure. Believe me, I do not like this any better than you do or anyone here, okay? <laughs> I did not sign up for this, okay? I wanted to have adventures you know, like Hemingway. 
I, I didn't realize that I was going to have to type so much or that I was going to have to deal with this pesky audience that had all these expectations about their experiences. I was like, I was never doing it for their experiences. I was doing it for my experiences. I really, I took a poor path is all I can say. That was a joke. <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you. I think I, you know, I, I return to these stories are, are great. There's obviously so much going on. These characters are, are one just get us involved in it and do commit to the focus. So rather than to show us something or something, instead, just keep doing what you're, as you're saying, you working on dramatizing the decision and just take us point to point. We, we can do a lot in a story just with this very simple pattern. We make the reader anticipate. So what's going to happen? And then we surprise them with what does happen. Mm -hmm. Anticipate and surprise them point by point by point and just drive it chronologically through. We're just like an arrow, okay? Bad war, it's like a story is like an arrow into the heart of the reader. Just shoot straight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll work on it. Uh, definitely, like, yeah, these are very valuable. Yeah, it's, but, and it's not easy. <laughs> I, I, I really want mm -hmm. to, yeah, yeah. you know, it is not easy. Um, and, and we we often work against ourselves. And, you know, you brought up that you're, well, I, I had a reason for that. Okay, I will tell you uh, from, my, from my experience that as soon as I had a reason for doing something, I was probably going in a bad direction because that's, you know, we can always come up with reasons for doing, you know, the thing that's easiest for us, right? Which is usually mm -hmm. to go to these sort of metaphysical ideas. What's hardest for us is to engage this conflict. We shy away from it but identifying the protagonist, getting them on the page, inciting incident, and moving them towards action. The story is based on their end. We have to functions. Mm -hmm. And in the case when you're drawing from these, those actions might not be readily available. So you must invent them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I better, uh, let's see. Otis, uh, I have a quick observation, if I may. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying sure. is that a story is a series of choices and actions. So there is a choice. The choice is what creates the drama. And once the character chooses a particular path to go down, then we have action which pushes the story forward. So we have choice creating drama, action pushing the stories forward, which in turn results in another choice and then another action and so on. Yeah, yeah, basically. Like I, I had that little, like you're, you're drawing from my story about being slapped in this. Whether I make the choice to chase right. or to flee, the story right. continues. Right. Okay, so if I try to flee, I'm not able to, I run into the guys. Yeah. If I try to chase, I'm not able to find, to, I run into the guys, right? right? Either yeah. way, I run into the guys, right. right? So the forces of antagonism remain regardless of my choice. Right. And then I have to make choices. Yeah. 
in regard to that. Right. And once we decide on a direction, so like if it's if I decide on chase, one of the, one of the <laughs> truisms we say about characters and storytelling is we say the one thing that's that's universally true of characters is that they do not want to change. They do not want to change. So they do the same thing over and over again. They basically double down on whatever this was. So if my choice is to fight, then I fight more. I fight more. I fight more. I fight more. I lose, I lose, I lose. If my choice is to flee, I flee, I flee, I flee, but I cannot flee, right? So I'm always trying to find a new way to flee. I'm always trying to find a new life to fight. Your, <clears throat> your character from your story last week actually fights. Yeah. Right? She's not, she's not fleeing, she's fighting. And to under, it's important to understand that whether we flee or fight, it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. Right? We're doing something against the force of antagonism in order to ourselves. Right. So the choice is almost immaterial. But yes, we have a choice. We act and then we have the counter reaction. That's yeah. Thank you very much. That was insightful. Yeah. Um, this one, two sisters, right? the one we talked about, right, last week. Yeah, we spoke about that. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pass through that one. Um, this is the sorry. I'm uh, searching. Okay, how about this piece, Mati? Um, is, is the writer of this piece here? Did we talk about this one already? I don't think so. And this has been- uh, Shantari, I, I think you're on mute. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, tell us a little bit about this piece. Okay, so um, she is uh, the wife of um, Duryodhana, supposedly the main antagonist of the Mahabharata, as in one of the characters who kind of meets his end uh, at the at the at the end of the war. So Banumati comes across as this woman who, uh, I mean, she's she's not very much explored in the in the in the story. If you really see in the epic, she's not too much written about. So I've tried to kind of give my perspective of, of what I thought she might be. She would have thought of the course of events. So it starts off with uh, uh, her looking at. The, the the body of her husband. So this is the end of the war, from where the story starts, and that's where this this entire piece that I have sent you, the beginning starts from. So it's like sort of a uh, it starts right at the end and takes a look at the. So that's that's where I started off. Right. So right. Okay. So I'm I'm and I'm remembering this story a little bit now too. So I have some. I I think I'm I wasn't exactly sure is she going to be emulated on the on this uh, funeral pyre along with her husband? Sorry, uh, I didn't hear you, Otis. 
Uh, no, it is, that's a that's a different uh, story. I believe. I think uh, that's uh, uh, the episode with uh, with Madri and uh, Pandu. I think this is uh, not the same one, but I let uh, uh, yeah. So have this to signal her before the flames could consume her along with the body of her lord, who lay lifeless. So I'm just I'm just trying to I, I guess I'm. I'm not absolutely clear on what it, I, I the story. So, is she is she going to is is, is she sort of like going to be sacrificed along with the with the husband? Yes. So uh, there were uh, people, uh, there were queens who chose to consign themselves to the flame. Uh, on the death of their husband. So it was a choice. It was a choice that they made. So she was in extreme grief. This is the this is the point. That uh, she was she had decided that she had no motivation to live, and that was the reason she decided to um, consign herself to the flames. And basically, she's in she's in a state of trance, and she's looking at. Um, She's 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 gone. She's she's just basically blank at this point of time, and she has made a choice to end her life along with her husband, who's already dead, of course. So that that is where the story starts. So this is not the story of Madri, as was rightly pointed out. This is Banumati, who's the wife of Duryodhana. So this this is where she is at the end, contemplating to consign herself to the flames. Okay. Okay. So, um, so in reading this, I, you know, there's some, there's some issues that I've seen in other works. There's some, you know, I, I marked the sort of point of view shifts. You say the, the priest looked at her briefly with compassion. So that means, right. That means we're really in the priest's mind and thing, you know, uh, out, however, was not so sympathetic as another point of view. I, I mark these things. For one, going back to the idea of focus, when we're writing something that's a short piece, generally stream focused. So I think it's best to just have one point of view and the point of view of our protagonist. And also when we switch points of view, if we manage to get the reader involved with our point of view character, our protagonist, then when we switch points of view, it's as if we take the reader out of that point of view and put them in another point of view. And for me, the reader develop a sympathetic relationship with uh, the protagonist is the number one thing I both want to do. And then once I've done it, I do not want to give that up. I want to retain that. But I think that the, 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 the bigger issue here going along with our theme of the day of having a story driven by character action sort of returns to this idea, like you're saying that she's made a choice to be burned on the funeral pyre along with her husband. So that choice, maybe that's the culmination of the story. So you see like a story again is driven by character action. So when I was reading, I was this is this story and others making me think about this sort of consistent idea of stories, that stories are driven by the protagonist's actions. When she's 
given up basically and lying on the pyre, there's no, there's no more action possible. So she's not actually doing anything. And we're not moving her to a point of, let's say, and this choice to be, you know, burned, you know, might actually represent this sort of union. She's, she's giving up between the two, you know, part of herself and the antagonistic forces are merging in that. And she's letting go, for example. So I think that that's very possibly an ending, but the story has to be driven character action. And so I would think about, think about that. As I was reading it, you know, I had the images of, you know, maybe Joan of Arc or, uh, or, you know, the Salem witches or something like that, you know, they'd be tied to this, but I'm like, okay, you're tied to the stake. What story do you have to write? I mean, is it, is, what's the character action struggling against hopes? You know, what are they doing to show us what they want? Because, right, the, the, the character struggling against the ropes is showing us that they want to live, right? Um, don't have that much available to interactions to drive forces of antagonism. In that case, the flames of death and the desire for life are bashing together, and we dramatize them by having the character pull against the ropes. But these are our issues. We need to have the potential for actions of character that dramatize the struggle of protagonist against the forces of antagonism. So I, I really like how you, you, you drop into this character's point of view, and I think that that's really working. I just want to have this, these dramatic principles you know, uh, show up in the scene so that I can so that basically, so that I can experience them. I get to experience them as her. I align with her. I agree with her. I'm pathetic to her. She struggles. I struggle, but I fail. She struggle. We fail, right? Continue doing this until we come to this ending point where you bring them together in this merger. And then I'm like, then I feel this sort of an expansive gesture, you know, this uh, epiphanic enlightenment we get at the end where we have someplace. Um, so I, I think she's a great character. So I, you know, I, I really encourage the exploration. If you can, and what you have her finally coming to, this sort of acquiescence of death, that's not easy. So you have your work cut out for you. suggest I keep maintaining this momentum, um, you know, trying to just continue to stick to the point of view perspective and keep intensifying the struggle. Yeah, and I, I think, so like, like you said in the beginning that she's, you say she has made the choice or has made the choices in the backstory. Yes. I think that you're going to have to bring that, you're going to have to start earlier, right? And you're going to have to take us to that choice. So uh, uh, Ranjeth's piece, actually, it's applicable here too. When I brought up the ending, the ending of the story is when everything else is inevitable. So you do not have to actually write the, the absolute ending, the moment, when uh, his character changes sides, when your character um, acquiesces to death. It's a point of bringing us to, the, to, to that 
final decision. And I'm going to say it's making that it's making that decision that elevates the character because everything else that might be occurring with them might be a, a question of fate. But finally, they make a choice for themselves, right? Um, so, yeah. That, so my my suggestion, as I see the story now, is that you start earlier. Yes, you want to start it here, but you see the potential for the character's actions going. Forward. I don't know if that's the case or not. But in in either case, you have to drive the story with character action. And if you don't have character action from this point onward. Then you're you're not able to create a dramatic story. That's not to say that they're not there. We like these challenges. I would like the challenge of writing a woman who's tied at the stake. You know, I like the challenge. How to do it? I don't know, but you know, we pick our fights. So. Sure. So I have eventually tried to explore the circumstances that led to this choice of hers. So I think that comes in eventually in the story, but of course I'll keep this this piece of perspective that I've gotten from you more, and you know I'll leave it in and keep that you know in my at the front of my mind, not at the back of my mind, and keep intensifying the yeah. the cards. Yeah, yeah, I'll keep doing that. <laughs> well, you're, you're you're that's going back to remember the combination lock: first number, second number, third number, fourth number. So it's like. With the last number, you're starting with number four, and then you want to go back to number one. I will suggest to start with one, two, three, four. I would suggest going chronologically when it's hard enough as it is, in a sense, without bling it up. Um, but but I, I do want to say that as writers, we really so often do that because. When we when we come to a story, you might think of this character, and you think of this dramatic moment at the end, right? That's 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 the thing that you start with. And then, as you're thinking about it, you're like, well, what led there? And now you start covering the backstory elements. I find it with my own work and with other people's work at the time that often what we have to, do, particularly after a first draft, is unravel the story. And my very strong recommendation is to write chronologically. It's simple. It's very focused. And think about inciting incident. What starts the story? She was. I'm going back into the bricks. She just was whoever she was at this point. But then she decides something happens, and she decides to act. She decides to do something. She hasn't done anything before. Okay. She's just done whatever she had to, but she has done nothing. But now something happens. Boom, and she acts to either flee fate or fight her fate, right? and to and and to onto who she is. She's going to do one or the other, but she's going to do something, and then smack down, right? Something else happens, and then tries again, try and fail, try and fail, as my father used to say. Until the climax and the merger. Um, but a very nice writing here, and it's going to be difficult. And I and I and I throw this out to everyone: it's difficult. If writing was easy, everybody would do it. Okay, I'm telling you, 
It's everyone would. It is great. It's a great job. People leave you alone. You get to sit in your office. It's quiet. You can listen to music. Everyone would do it. It's very difficult to do what we do. So take that on, understand that it will be a struggle to grapple with and imagine these active experiences along the way that drive to the climax. But that's what I'm done for. Sure. <laughs> um, and I feel like we're getting a little bit um, but uh, right. I, so we uh, yeah. <clears throat> so Otis, we have done uh, uh, we are at about yeah we are coming up to the 90 minute mark we have 2-3 minutes so I was wondering if this is not a logical point to uh, to close it for the day unless uh, until you know you strongly feel that we should you should uh, you, you want to do one more yeah, no, it, it totally is a good time probably to stop, except I have to apologize to Madhavi before we do that, and then, then we can stop it. Because Madhavi has actually submitted, you know, she's been revising this, um, you know, roughly so over, over a couple of weeks now. And sending, sending, so I say thank you, Madhavi, and I'm so sorry that I haven't gotten to get to it first next, next week. So, uh, so Otis, if you think you can... Uh, uh, I don't know how much time you, you're planning on taking on this. So if you want to do this, if you have the time, you can probably take another 10 minutes uh, or so. If uh, Madhvi, you're, you know, you're fine and Otis, you have the time. Sure, I'm fine with that. But uh, I had a request for Otis. If you could please send the, uh, this particular draft to me. Uh, what you had reverted back with was the earlier version. Uh, this I have compiled uh, this, two uh, write-ups together. This is the latest one that I can see here on the screen. I don't have this. Uh, so. I didn't send this to you. you okay. Yeah, oh, I, oh, I know why because I I just finished I just finished it yesterday. Okay. So yeah, I will. So maybe I'll we send can have a you. quick discussion um, and then you can send it to me. Sure. Okay. So I yeah I can take another. Uh, think. Yeah, maybe 10, 10 will be maximum. I have I have to take my daughter somewhere in a minute. Um, so let me just remember what's happening in this piece. So what I see, uh, so this is the one. This is about the- Ah, this is the one where um, the- Right, the, the woman, her, the king that Arjun, Arjun yeah, she has, is going she is to... She is her loyalties divided. as wife versus love for her cousin. Right, right. And um, so I think, I think, I, I think that this is progressing nicely. It seems to me that this thing is contextualizing the issue for us. I'm not since I think because our focus in a story is really on character and we really don't want any time about it, I would actually, I would probably just start with the character. So it's really her problem that is of issue of the story. That's the thing that you're dealing with. Yeah. What's happened in the war is happened in the war. But what's happened with her is that someone has come and told her what's happened in the war, essentially, right? 
So they've told her about acclamation. And what it means is that her husband will either be killed or not killed. But in either her, and I'm not positive whether it's a brother or a cousin because he's named somewhat differently at times. But um, I want to say Arjunun. Is that right? Arjun. Yeah. She's Arjun, Arjun is her cousin, but she connects with him uh, more at an emotional level. So more than Duryodhan, she considers him as uh, her brother. So that's okay. how the story goes. Uh, well, would you, right, right, right. Um, so, and he's high anyway. So, but the, 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 the issue is really, you tell and you're committed to telling her story. So this gets back to the essential thing that we've been talking about. The story mean, needs to focus on her. She gets this information, right? With the information from the messenger, which I would consider an inciting incident, right? So that does sound like an inciting incident. She hears this thing. But the question is now, what does she do based on that? Right now, as the story is unfolding, she really isn't acting in any way. So she's not doing anything because of that information. You have her in a state of passivity, essentially. So I, I often tell story because I have a way with, right? And I grew up in New York City. But if I'm sitting at a bar in New York, right? And uh, I'm drinking a beer and a fight breaks out in the back, okay? If I keep sitting in my seat and drinking my beer, I'm doing something. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's, it's not passive. Yeah. I'm actively doing something. I'm not joining the fight. I'm sitting having my beer, right? So the way you have your character right now is that she, she's depicted as being simply passive, basically that she's not doing anything. Whereas if I wrote my character sitting in the seat, I would be writing myself actively sitting in the seat. Does that make sense? Like, I'm actively sitting there. It's a choice that I'm making. It's not that I'm not doing anything, that I am doing something, which is nothing. That sounds a little confusing, but no, to I try and bring it. that Actually, to Actually, your... a lot happens after this. Like, she goes and meets various people. They have dialogues. And then, you know, uh, she keeps on thinking at, at the same time. So there is a lot of action later right. on. This... At this point, it's still sinking in. Like, why would her brother choose her husband to kill and not the other seven people who actually killed his uh, son? So right. that so, is her problem. It, right, she's so, still not... Uh, yeah. Well, I would, just, I would just hurry her up into the action. So, like, when we're thinking of a story, so, like, let's say our story is, I want to come up with some good pages here, say 12 pages, okay? Our, our whole story is going to be 12 pages long. So that means we're going to have four pages for the beginning, four pages for this part, four for here, and four for the end. That's kind of our shape. Okay. In the beginning, we want the inciting incident. We want to establish the conflict. I'm not... I, I need to be a little bit of conflict. So that means we need the force of protagonism on the page and we need to understand the force of antagonism, right? So this news and this inevitability going to happen is not really an antagonistic force because as it's, but it simply is, I mean, it's almost fatally prescribed 
right? There's nothing really she can do to thwart what's going to happen in me. He basically, that's what we need. We need her to act against the force antagonism. Does that make some sense? So it's a, it's a little bit difficult with this because it doesn't really like there's anything that she can do. A little bit like being tied to the stake and the stake is going to burn her up. There's nothing that she can do to thwart that, that inevitability. Story is about character act. I don't know how to write all that for you because I don't know the story and I don't know the action. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, 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 I was saying that I don't know how to reconcile this issue of action, but we need to have the character act against of antagonism, whatever they are. So, I would, I would, but I would. I would go ahead and try and hurry up with the action of the story. And then if you do get the act talking to people and she's maybe trying something and trying to accomplish something, I would love to know what that is. Actually, and I we'll get that, that on the, the page. And first draft. Sorry, sorry to, to interrupt. I did that in the first draft actually. But then uh, you said that as uh, you don't know a lot about Mahabharata and there would be many people who don't know about Mahabharata. Uh, then it was difficult to get into her world. So that's why um, all this explanation comes in. So that people no, get I, 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 understand. Yeah. I do understand. I understand and appreciate that we're getting into the world. It's not. So the issue of a story me necessarily understanding the Mahabharata. The but issue of a story is that the reader, the, the reader needs to be introduced to the conflict. What is the conflict that's going on at the beginning of the story? What is the protagonist faced with? He then begins to act against. That's the, that's the essential kernel of the story. And that's what we have to understand. You are right that I, you know, I think I commented on this piece that I didn't, um, there were some vague ways in which the palace was depicted. So a great job in helping me understand that better. Want to try and put us into the point of view character and have us understand the setting and context that she's in. But that's the beginning of the story, right? And so, and you are doing that. So she's here. I understand that she's, you know, living in this kind of luxury. And this messenger comes and gives her this news. I like that part very much. It is definitely a writing incident. Keep that. It's great. We work on it and enhance it, but a very active scene and totally understand it. It seems like the beginning of this story. The question is, what does she do next? That's so you have the inciting incident, but now I want I'm basing that the next step is the protagonist's commitment to struggle the protagonist's commitment. She decides to do something. My story, I either chased or I fled. The choice, I've made commitment to action, right? So yeah. commitment to action, we want to see it happening. And we just might as well do that. When she's not acting, we lose focus on the story. If she's just, you know, comatose, you know, from, from this experience and she's, you know, fallen back on her bed, that, yes, we can do that briefly, 
but we want to get back to them because that's the thing that drives the story. That's this, it's the spine of the story. Character action is kind of the same, and we can build money in the flesh around it, but we need to have that spine. Uh, maybe uh, I'll send you the next part and then rework on this one. Yeah, sure. I always, I always enjoy reading your Especially from where the action comes in. So maybe then we can decide whether to keep this, shorten this, or get rid of this. I am telling you, I, I think I told you before, I wrote a 600-page novel that proved to the world that I knew how to type. <laughs> that novel right now, only 200 pages long. So that means it lost 400 pages. Yeah. We type more than we use. So uh, thank you, Madhavi. Thank you. Thank you. Please do send it to me. Yeah, I will. I will send it right now. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you, Madhvi, and uh, thank you, Otis. Uh, we covered four pieces today, and for everyone uh, there, uh, we're going to put this up on YouTube in a couple of days. And many of you are already on a WhatsApp group to, uh, you know, uh, for for uh, for essentially this series. So if you don't already have that link, I think it's a little too late for me to send it again. I'll probably send it uh, first thing when we start this uh, Q&A's uh, open house next week. But uh, uh, do ping me on, uh, uh, gosh, uh, do ping, ping me on Twitter or, or send me a message on our Facebook group and I'll uh, uh, share that link. Thank you, everyone. Um, Otis. Can I just add, just add too, I, uh, I, I think that I've gone through everyone's work that I had. I, I bogged down in things in the past weeks uh so but if i've made a mistake it's not to slight anyone let me know and i'm really happy to talk about your work i think uh you you're you're doing this great work and you're sending me and and i and i want to honor that by by giving some feedback um on this forum so so just let do let me know if i missed something it's not out of malice um and uh thank you Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Have, have a good day. Have Bye. A good day. Bye. Bye.